Hello and welcome to another episode, a special episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast. Tyler, Brennan, and myself are here at UYSA World Headquarters <laughs> with Utah Youth Soccer World Association World Headquarters. World leading youth organization. Sure. With yeah. Scott Boyd, who has uh, one or two roles here. What are your roles here, Scott? I can't even keep track. It's whatever nobody else wants to do. <laughs> Which, so you're the head. Probably a lot, right? Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, say assistant league commissioner, uh, competition subcommittee chair, in-house counsel, referee liaison, and then anything else they want me to do. That's one of the reasons we reached out to you was we follow we well, I don't we're on the same soccer board, big soccer and the RSL forum and you posted something about UYSA refing came up and UYSA has a new policy and that's kind of why we reached out to you and messaged you and say what is this, this policy you're talking about because as anybody knows who listens to our podcast I'm the official ref lover I love the refs I think we big need fan. to do more Crushes to support them. consistently on the refs. I do. I do. There's some <laughs> great refs, and there's some that need to be. I mean. I mean, Tori Penso, we all agree, is, yeah. is the best ref. But for <laughs> very like different that. reasons. But before we get to that, one of the reasons we do this podcast is to talk to soccer fans. And Scott, we had a few conversations, and you are definitely a soccer fan. So how did that come about? How did you become a soccer fan. Well, I got born into a family, and that's pretty much where it started. Uh, my brother and I started playing. I was seven. He was six. We we're in the Seattle area. So Seattle got started quite a bit before most other areas on, oh, well, the, on yeah, the West they, Coast. Yeah, they, they invented they, soccer. They invented soccer. We all positive. agree that that's... <laughs> yes, they're positive they invented soccer. So at that same time, my parents started refereeing and coaching. I have two siblings behind me and my brother, and so everybody played through the collegiate level. I've got a brother who's still coaching at the college level. Um, and, yeah, so we've been involved all along at one point because we are going to talk a little bit about referees. My mom was on the national instructor staff. And so, yeah, I've been around refereeing my whole life. Did wow. a lot of refereeing when I was younger, uh, before MLS came into existence. So had I stuck with it and had I known MLS was going to even exist, I probably would have become a referee and gone that direction. But instead, I like coaching more. So I nice. went the coaching direction. Yeah, and so essentially your mom was the pre tory Penso. Sure. Okay. Right sure. On. That's a that's a good pedigree. To she come was from. A, she was a lifetime instructor, and always enjoyed instructing the referees, and enjoyed picking on U.S. soccer for not knowing how to instruct the referees. So it was a great <laughs> fair point. Yeah, that, that's a good one. So are you a Real Salt Lake fan? Were you a Seattle Sounder fan in Seattle? Or oh, okay. Yeah. How does how yeah. does how do you, yeah. how do those work together? How do, you how do those that? work together? So I I will be fair. So, yes, Seattle Sounders fan growing up, um, went to games back at Memorial Stadium, went to games back in the Kingdom. Uh, and then RSL started first before Seattle came back. And I decided after being a season ticket holder for a few years, that it's like, I'll stick with RSL. But I told my kids that first game with the Sounders, I said, if they score a goal and they play the Seattle Sounders anthem that they always played when they scored goals, um, I guarantee I'm going to tear up. And I did. Absolutely <laughs> just teared up. So, yeah. Nice. Any nice. any favorite memories of growing up? Um, 
as a soccer fan, do you have any other teams you follow? Um, the sure. Premier League, or uh, how did you sustain your love of soccer during the, uh, the years rough before? Years. Yeah, during the rough <laughs> years. Uh, so, followed the game all the time. I've always followed the game. I've always followed the national teams specifically, and probably the women's team a little bit more. My mom uh, coached a ton. My sister played a ton. So we always really paid attention to them. And frankly, they were good compared to the men's team. So that was always <laughs> a good time. Um, but I followed the national teams all along. And then uh, since you know RSL's here overseas. Typically, I will find a premier team that I'm interested in every year, and I'll just watch them play. So I already mentioned I'm going to be watching Leeds United this year just because I like Jesse March. And frankly, um, yeah, Adams is going to be playing with them as well. So I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Aronson and Adams. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look good up in the north. How yeah. do you feel about that, Brent? Well, I think it's interesting that you pick a team, an <laughs> annual team. I, I what in a I league, love, right? You, yeah. That's your league. That's okay. the league I tend to watch because I can always find the games. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always fun to watch the games. But I think it's interesting. It's one of the things I started to love about soccer is that you can have multiple favorite teams. I love Real Salt Lake, but I also have a very strong affection for Crawley Town FC. They're in League Two, way down at the bottom, although they do have new American owners. Okay. And they're spending a lot of money. I don't know. We always, we know, always comes around. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I fell asleep there. I dozed off. Yeah. Yep. Crawley Town. Yep. And I also I follow Minds 05 a little bit in the Bundesliga and uh, Cruz Azul in the Mexican League. So they make the best cement. So. Yeah. Cementeros. There you go. There you go. La Machina. <laughs> So, uh, any uh, fun experiences growing up? Any fun memories? I mean, what kept you in soccer? And then we can talk about... Uh, play, did- well, playing it forever was the reason that you know, I was always involved in it. Uh, when I was, let's see, freshman in high school, sophomore in high school, moved from Seattle to Boise. So, I went from you know, what they claim is the soccer mecca of the North right. America yeah. over to an area that it wasn't a high school sport. Pastures. It, it was. You played in pastures. It was a little rough. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little rough. Um, so Ooh. I had to find my soccer any place I could get it. But at the time, of course, then my parents pretty much ran the soccer association and, and I, well, ran the referee association. I got to work with the soccer association there, stayed in Boise for a few years, helped an outlying area form a league. And so, you know, I've, I've always been able to find a way to get my Jones on somehow with soccer. Nice. And then with the kids, um, was able to do a lot of coaching. And then X amount of years, I coached for a while, and then uh, I actually had a profession that I was supposed to you know, be working at, and that took up a lot of time, so I ended up having to focus <laughs> on that. Until a point where I said, I'm done with that. So I was a practicing attorney for 18 years and uh, decided that this is way more fun. So I went over here. This is my pre-retirement job at UISA where I get to do everything. Exciting. Any favorite RSL memories? Your RSL, big RSL fan? Big RSL fan. Um, Absolutely the championship would probably be it. And the most notable thing about that game I had uh, some friends over who were watching the game with us. Actually, one of the friends was the head baseball coach at uh, the U. And watching the game, and he could not understand 
why Javi Morales was in tears <laughs> when he was being subbed out yeah. in that final. He's just like, I, I don't get it. I said, once he's subbed, he's done. He doesn't get to go back on. And he was like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> he said, no wonder. <laughs> just like, That's rough. I was yeah. like, yeah, it is. But it was an absolute pleasure. Didn't watch him. Watching the teams, watching the team in 2010 and 2011 was just such a pleasure. When they were playing a unique style and uh, controlling the game, controlling every game they played. And it was just so much fun. So that's my best memory of them. And then after that, it's always finding players you like, trying to figure out what the heck the coaching staff is trying to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then just enjoying the game. I, I found the Freddie years to be painful. I found some other years to be painful. Um, and so far, I'm okay with Pablo. So uh, I, I think he learned a lot in his years in, in Colorado. So he's gotten better. Yeah, in Colorado, he was known for focusing on defense at the exclusion of just about everything else, and it seems like that has changed. So hopefully we'll, we have some a bright future. With Although Pablo. with the last game not scoring a goal, it's almost like everyone's reverting back. It's like, guys, we're still right there. We're still just a few points out of even second place. So hang in there. Come on now. We've got to have some ups and downs. This is a league of parity. But anyway, if, I have to talk myself off the ledge sometimes. There you go. You know? If we can get the you know starting lineup to get anywhere near the amount of goals as their expected goals, right? we'd be fine. <laughs> oh boy, there's not the, the issue is an opportunity. The issue nope. is finishing. <laughs> we would be more than fine <laughs> if that was the case. So tell us a little bit about uh, UISA. Um, a lot of places have AYSO here. It's UISA and UISA kind of won that battle, but then AYSO kind of came in as a, as a club inside of UISA. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that, if you don't mind. So AYSO typically focuses on more of the recreational side of the game. Um, and they still exist and they're still here and they've you know, got a decent amount of teams, uh, more North than in the Metro area and not as much down South. Um, UISA has always focused on more of the competitive side of the world and continues to grow and grow and grow. We're up close to 60,000 participants now. Now that also includes rec players. Um, and we're hoping that more and more of our clubs develop their own rec programs so they have their own feeder system as opposed to you know some of the cities. And so they're taking some of that stress off the cities. Um, USA has been here since 1978 and uh, again continues to grow um, we've got a lot of clubs we tend to maybe compared to other areas have more clubs than other areas do um, so we do have a lot of competition internally as far as trying to get players and this office itself has grown from you know basically two or three volunteers to now Jimmy eight full-time Employees, oh, nice. eight, yeah. nine full time employees. I plus should probably a, know that. Plus a field next door. Plus right? a cute little field next door. If you've yeah. ever been down here, you can't miss us. We're across the street from the stadium. It just worked <laughs> out. What we're actually in is an old, uh, this was an auto repair shop. Oh, gotcha. So, you know, now you think about it, the first part of the building is where, you know, the offices were. <laughs> Back here was actually the bays. The Back behind okay. us was the shop. Nice. And there was just enough room off to the side. We put in a little bit, a little field, which gets used pretty much all year long. Yeah, turf, right? Yep. Makes it nice to... Turf with lights. 
And uh, you get a discount if you're a member organization to rent the field. Uh, very much so. Yeah. Is that for training or just to have games or birthday parties? Birthday parties. <laughs> birthday parties, yeah. More training. We see a lot of training out here. Uh, a lot of training, especially during the winter. Yeah. Um, we will usually plow the field so you know we can they nice. can actually practice when there's snow so it works out okay and it's a great place to park for the games it is a fantastic place i shouldn't to park say that because this is where i park all this the time well you, you donate to the to utah youth soccer association right i mean your donation goes a long way yeah. okay so we, I, I, we, i'll push it ten dollar parking and actually all the proceeds do go to we have a separate scholarship fund based on the parking so yeah, we, we we would love to have you here. With that being said, more and more people are finding it here, and so we're usually full by forty-five minutes before the game. So if <laughs> yeah, you're you not early, you have to have be a here early. Yeah. We've had some people who want to get want us to give them season ticket parking. We haven't figured out how to do that yet. Um, and hopefully, the gentleman who always asked for it is listening to this, so I can say, "Hey, hi!" Um, very nice older gentleman who you see him every single game. Yeah. He's always excited to be here. He always parks in the same place. Nice. Like, maybe we'll just paint your name on yeah, the spot. There you go. Right. Yeah, that's what you could do. Like they sell the the, <laughs> the bricks stencil. or the stones. You can uh, <laughs> buy the parking, and you know, you can write it off on your taxes, right? Yeah, donation. Uh, it is a donation, so mm. yeah, you can. Um, it's ten bucks. I'm not sure how much that's going to help. But. No, well, that's not he, what you write down. He's, he's going to go up. He's going to go three, four hundred on that. So. Yeah, they, they charge a lot here to park. I don't know. I'm trying to rate, get them to raise their rates, get get a little higher <laughs> donation. Just donate what you feel comfortable with, and then usually they'll feel comfortable donating more. It's for kids, heaven's sake. Yeah, yeah. You I, know, for I, kids. I appreciate you thinking that. More people come in and say, you know how much I pay for soccer? Holy cow. <laughs> and you're like, you don't realize how much comes here? Yeah, anyway. Okay. And let, let's roll in and start talking about the referees. Okay. Are you ready for that? Are you ready I'm, to tackle I'm, that I'm, elephant in the room? I'm always ready to talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, so basically what got UISA some national publicity, actually not just local but national, we had other states reaching out, we had national publications reaching out, was our zero tolerance program that we threw in mm, two-thirds of the way through the year this last spring. Yeah, tell us what led to that problems <laughs> I, okay and and the most obvious problems being we don't have enough referees um, we haven't had enough referees in a very long time now there's various reasons for that but the primary reason is the way they're treated um, they are not treated respectfully consistently and you know the the funny thing is when you're talking to people they're like well, what are you talking about we, we treat referees just fine we're great all the time i mean there was this one game you know where that referee <laughs> was really just not quite and i got on him a little bit it says and what people don't realize yeah that was the one game that you got on him a little bit but what about all the other games when someone else got on to him you know we call it referee ptsd they're just hearing it from too many people too often too negatively and pretty soon they're going on in the field with an attitude, which isn't helpful for anybody. And you know, you you've we've lost overall the sense of respect that's necessary. So the zero tolerance program is basically what you think, which is don't yell at the referees at all. 
Um, they're on our website itself. It can kind of tell you, hey, here's things you can do. Cheer for your team, absolutely, all day long. Yeah. Um, an incident may happen on the field, and everyone will be like, ah, that's okay. Totally fine. That's totally, totally fine. Yeah. And every referee will tell you what gets you in trouble is when it continues five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds later, or when you start telling the referee, hey, you've got to call that. It's like, that's not what I'm, that's not what your job is, parent. Right. It is not your job to tell me what I'm supposed to call. It is not your job, coach, to tell me what I am supposed to call. I get your concern, but you know we're gonna knock this off. So the Zero Tolerance Program, the plan is um, every single game referees do a report. And on their report, they can note the sideline behavior. And we prefer that they do. There's a little box they check if they would like the game notes to be reviewed. We review them every single time. And if the sideline was a problem, and they will flat out say, the sideline is a problem. They complain about every single call the whole game long. Okay, we can and have suspended the sideline for the whole rest of the season. And boy, do parents freak out. <laughs> and the reality is, we explain to them, it's like, here's how the game of soccer works. You need a field, you need a ball. You have to have a referee. You have to have players. I guess you have to have coaches, but, you know, but yeah. okay. You do not have to have parents. Parents are transportation to and from the game, but if they want to make commentary, you don't have a right to say anything. And so don't, you know, absolutely cheer on your child, but anything beyond that, just don't do it. And more often than not, the issues we get, the problematic issues, 90% of them are due to lack of education. People do not, who don't understand the game, and they don't understand that the level of physicality changes at every level of the game, or they don't understand that the level of physicality in a different area may be slightly different. You know, if you're playing up in Ogden, the level of physicality allowed may be different than when you're playing in Spanish Fork. You know, and you have to be able to adjust for it. The players figure that out. Good coaches figure that out. Parents mm, often never quite understand it. Well, yeah, I, I, I've coached a lot of soccer as well, and, and sometimes at halftime the, the conversation is, okay, guys, what's happening? You know, oh, they're pushing us around. So what does that tell you about the game and how it's being refereed? That we can be more physical. Yes, that is correct. For this referee, you can be more physical, and, but stay within the laws of the game. Like, keep your head, right? Um, this is coach talking to player, right? <laughs> keep your head. Realize if you're going to step up your physicality, they're going to step up their physicality, and the ref will call some fouls. And when that happens, just, you know, Run back on defense. Just get back on defense, right? Just no big deal. Be ready for the ref to make all sorts of bad calls. And so to simulate that, I'm the ref at practice, and I call all sorts of bad calls. Mm -hmm. And I get lots of the kids, what? How is it their ball? doesn't matter. I pointed that way. <laughs> you know, I just try to get them used to blown calls that are going to go against them and, you know, kind of get them used to that. I mean, I don't know if that's the... Uh, prescribed method of, <laughs> of coaching, but uh, that I think leads to the players then reacting better and 
the re- you know if if the players don't react and and the coaches don't react negatively then hopefully the parents fall in line with that one would hope so and yeah i mean so what you're saying is no this is a transition moment you think about the transition moment that is your only job at that moment as a player is the, the ball just changed hands and it's going the other way unless so you're paying attention so you've got to be focused <laughs> and you have to know what's going on exactly yeah. um if you're sitting here you know whine whine whining um, it's not going to do you any good. It's just to get aggravated. The, the referee had an old coach years ago who used to tell me that uh, yelling at referees was like trying to teach a pig to sing. It just wastes <laughs> your time and annoys the pig. So, <laughs> so don't. Or the other one was people who complain about referees are a lot like people who complain about weather. Okay? You can't do a darn thing about either of them, and frankly, it makes you a bore. So, you know, with weather, you adjust. You change your shoes. You play the ball differently if it's going to be muddy. You know, you make little adjustments. Same thing for every single referee. And everybody will tell you once they think about it a little bit. All anybody wants from a referee is consistency and a relative amount of safety that matches the level of the game. Again, most of the time when games go poorly, it's because one team, sometimes both teams, and the referee are not on the same mindset as yeah. to what the level of physicality should be in the game. And, you know, because you've got some where you've got a team with a bunch of ex-professional players who are used to a level of physicality that's extremely high, and they're playing against a team being coached by don't want to pick on soccer mom or dad, but let's go with soccer mom or dad who never played at a high level. <laughs> or uh, never played. Or never played. At all. Yeah. At all. And they're just like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, that's a push. It's like, no, it really mm, isn't. Yeah. It, it's, you know, what you're describing as a push isn't. Um, one thing that's been wonderful and that has changed in the last five years, almost, hmm, I can't say that, certainly at our top level. At the top level UICA game, Almost every game is recorded. Nice. If someone really has an issue, they send me the video. I love reviewing video. I particularly love reviewing video of scenes that have been described to me by the offended coach. <laughs> it doesn't always match up. Is that what you're saying? It doesn't even get close. Never. Just, oh, my God. Well, Some, sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it right, and sometimes, every once in a while, I get a great call. I had, uh, it was a mom. She said, I'm very concerned about this game, I've the, and here's the video, and here's the moment. And what we ended up doing, or what I ended up doing for her was, I went through and typed out and explained to her every single moment. And I said, here's where the referee could have done something a little bit differently. I think he missed it, and here's why. Here's where he got it spot on. He got this foul right. He got this foul right. He got this foul right. And, you know, she was like, well, but, but, but. It's not but, but, but. He got the foul right. You know, so when they get it right, okay. You need to recognize that and not just be upset because fouls are are occurring. Fouls occur. Uh, The game of soccer, it is a, um, it's, it's a competitive physical sport. Yeah. Contact sport. It's a contact sport. It's not a collision sport. Correct. It is a contact sport. And frankly, if your team is getting knocked down and being beaten around all all over the field, that's a coaching issue more than a referee issue. 
because players need to know how to protect themselves on the field. Is there game management taught to the referees? Or is it mostly, this is a foul, this is not a foul? I have not gone through the refereeing registration sign up, but I have a, a lot of good friends who are referees. So um, is, is there, is, is it the laws of the game that they're focused on or is it game management as well? Yes. <laughs> no. Um, so the best referees played. There, there's no question about that. Um, and the best referees at a certain age group are referees who have done a lot of games at that age group. So you can probably think back. You had some referees probably at 9U or 10U who did a fantastic job. Why? Because they knew what needed to be called nearly nothing because it's 9U, 10U. <laughs> right. Okay. But at the same time, we're talking to the players and walking them through and helping them understand what the rules were. It's like, ah, this is a foul and this is why. Um, most of the time, certainly professional level and even at the youth level, fouls are obvious. Fouls are obvious. If it's, it's a trip, the player fell down, yeah, it's going to be called. Anytime that there's going to be a change of possession that was caused by a foul, it's probably going to be called. Where people get thrown off is when there's not a change of possession and a foul occurs because the referees are instructed that we want to keep the game moving, right? So if it's something that we would call a trifling foul, it's like you don't call it because otherwise you're blowing the whistle all the dang time. Um, I think for comparison purposes, look at NBA games during the regular season versus NBA games in the playoff, right? Regular season, they might call all the little dinky stuff all day and the whistle's blowing the whole game and it's not a very good game. Playoffs, they're playing a lot more physically and yet there's less fouls called yeah. and they're having to play throughout. So think of soccer as much more of NBA playoff basketball physicality rather than NBA regular season. There, people can say all the time, that's a foul, that's a foul, that's a foul. Yeah, it probably was. Should it be called? Nope. Right, and that, 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 that's hard for mom, we'll say, oh. sitting in the stands watching her little baby get, get beat up a little bit on the field, right? I love soccer moms. They're great. They're usually incredibly supportive of their kids, and they tend, if they didn't play, get really worried anytime somebody gets knocked down or anything happens. Um, it's really hard for them to understand that they put their kids in a sport where they might get injured. Yeah, and concussion protocol, that's probably a whole different podcast, but definitely a worry in soccer. Definitely a worry in soccer. Um, and frankly, you're going to get broken bones. You know, again, it is bodies come together. Yep. And so things happen. So I'm going to give you an example. I had a game. Um, it was a competitive game. And for those who know about the promotion relegation system in UISA, we had a cute little second team that had the chance to be promoted. And it's their last game of the season. And the other team knew it and was very competitive. And the game became, for a 10U game, a little bit more physical. <laughs> a little rough. A little rougher than uh, the parents were expecting. And I will say, without question, that the other team was probably a little bit more physical than, the, than my team was. And after the game, because there had just been too much whining on the sideline, I, I would tell you that right. So brought all the parents around and brought the girls in. And I said, I need you parents to understand, we don't care about physicality. Me and the players don't care 
and let me show you why. And we had this cute little game, kind of keep away, it was called Protect the Ball. So one player, player was in charge of protecting the ball, and the other player, their job was only to touch the ball. That's all they had to do is touch the ball and could use almost any means they wanted. So it's a shielding drill and it's a physicality drill. And I said, okay, ready? So who's protecting the ball? And there's a young lady by the name of KP who was always more than happy to be physically involved. <laughs> and so she's like, I'm doing it. And someone else volunteered and they went at it. And there's 30 seconds of these two girls just smack, smack, smacking into each other over <laughs> and over again. The girls are laughing hysterically, both the ones playing and the ones watching it. The parents are laughing. They're just like, oh my gosh, this is hysterical because it really is. It's a fun game. And so we, we stop, and I said, look, the girls are fine. They can protect the ball. They can handle themselves, okay? You guys, don't worry about it. And for the most <laughs> part, they got over it. And so, um, but earlier in the podcast, we mentioned some of this is coaching, Yeah. right? You need to teach, the coaches have to teach their players how to protect themselves. Just so you know, we watch an RSL game. Every one of those players knows how to protect themselves. They know how to avoid a foul if they want to. They know how to fall so they don't hurt themselves, right? All of these are coaching lessons. Sometimes they aren't pointed out as often. <laughs> no, I'm watching the last game, the Dallas guy. Well, I forgot which guy. Velasco, Velasco number 20. Mm -hmm. He uh, he got a, a, a slight touch from a from a Cordoba arm and and he just pulled up the landing gear and fell back with it, it like he was going to plug his nose falling into a swimming pool and I thought that was hilarious but but yeah yeah um, you gotta you gotta protect yourself yeah. for sure on the field as a player and then the the uh, the refer the the coaches need to coach and even and and that's why it's great that we have an open sub policy mm -hmm. where you can pull players off. Give them the once over. Give them the, here's what's going on in this game. Let's catch you up. Here's how you need to play in this game right now. Well, you had mentioned it earlier, but every game, any coach, somebody pulls them off, said, what's the referee calling? You know, that's a, that if it really is an issue. Most of the time, it's not. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the referees are just fine. And, uh, you know, but getting the players to recognize is said, well, the referee's letting them come in a little bit strong from behind. Yep. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to get an arm out, make sure I feel them coming, and then roll off them. Yeah. Good. That's exactly there what you're you going to do. Yeah. And, I, that you know, to be honest, that's why I loved playing soccer. I, I s s switched to football for one season, and I was like, on any play, I have, like, three things I have to do. In soccer, I the coach has to stand on the sideline. He can't yell at me every 10 seconds after a play. I get to do whatever I want. Right. This is the most American game of all. <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, okay. As a young kid, you know, yeah. I'm like, USA. Anyway, I'm like, why don't we all play this? Mm. Anyway. You mean everybody gets to be quarterback? Yes. Yeah. Whoever has the ball is the quarterback. That's right. So in the UISA uh, sphere. Bu bubble. Bubble. Where do you have the most issues? Is it rec or is it competitive? We were. I've never been really involved with competitive. I never played, uh, but I was involved with uh, small rec, uh, rec league, and we worked really hard to encourage uh, young kids to 
get into refing. Right. And it seemed like, I don't know if it's the, the less the experience they have or more experience. Which one, which parents are the the most uh, influence, imp, have the most influence, uh, negative influence on refs or in the game? Well, things have changed slightly. So uh, two, three years ago, we went to no scores, no standings at the 9U level. So 9U, 10U, and soon to be 11U are no scores. Um, Trust me, the players keep score. The players right. yeah, keep like, keeps I score. I used to do that all the time. <laughs> but there's there's no standings. Gotcha. So, you know, like I like to tell everybody is, yeah, the players know what the score is and the parents know what the score is. But you know who knows that the scores don't mean anything? The coach who's deciding on playing time and deciding on what lessons they want learned during that game. Hmm. So it's all about player development. When we went and changed the to no scores, no standings in nines and tens, we eliminated our biggest headache. Nine new parents, first time getting in competitive, especially when there were scores, lost their freaking minds all the time. We would have the first two or three weeks of every season just chaos, trying to get parents to understand what's going on. Uh, and then they eventually they got better. Typically, it's lower level competitive where we have the biggest problems uh, for two reasons. Number one is because the players aren't as good. Um, they're not as skilled with their bodies. They accidentally whack people. Mm-hmm. And number two, you have less experienced players and parents who just don't know what's going on. Well, is there anything you do for the the play? Like, if a coach, you know, you're a new coach for a team, do you bring in the parents and have a meeting with them to kind of educate them on the process of a refereeing job and what to expect? Boy, I wish we could do that for all the teams. There's 1,800 teams, so it makes <laughs> well, it a little bit of a challenge on but that. I mean, but I, I wish we could. Um, we, when we have issues, um, so I, we've had two separate small clubs within the last year who got pulled in. We had a meeting with the full leadership and had explanations just like this is completely unacceptable. What's mm-hmm. happening on the field and what's happening off the field with your parents is unacceptable. How are we going to fix it? And then we work through processes to be able to eliminate the problems. Well, I just meant, like, my question was, it, does, it, does it fall on the coach to educate the parents on how to interact with the game? Yes, should be. But coach, it, the coach it. gets a lot of responsibilities, right? The right. coach has to coach, and then the coach has to coach the parents. We hope, especially with larger clubs, that you've got the club has able to use some of their resources you know, if it's the, the DOC, it's the director of coaching coming in and talking to all the parents and say, this is how we're going to behavior, uh, or how we're going to behave and why. That solves a whole lot of problems because then they know, well, it's coming from the top. If we want to be with this club, we need to behave, right. which is helpful. Um, it takes time. I Again, the 910 and 11U, no scores, no standings, is going to give all these people more time to learn when the games don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think we hope <laughs> will will help solve some problems, and we hope will help solve some of the problems with the referee development, because we can create a more clean process. One would think nine U. Oh, you're probably putting your beginning referees on nine U, right? That'd be great. We weren't. We were having to put some of our best referees on nine U's before because the parents were insane. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and so, oh. which messed up the whole process. Now we're able to put younger referees on 9Us and 10Us, getting them used to doing a game. Uh, 11U, again, with no scores, no standings, is the first time where we have official linesmen. 
So referee plus linesman, we can get a whole new crew learning how to do a game. And so, you know, it's a process. We're trying to work with them. But every single time, the reason for the zero tolerance is the parents now know the baseline is you're keeping your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And it only takes one parent to cause a whole sideline to be thrown out for a whole season. Once that gets around and everybody knows that we're serious and we'll do it, well, the other parents are, you know, because everybody has that one loud mouth on the sideline. <laughs> and there's like, Bill. Just one? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you hope there's only one. Bill, take a walk. That's exactly it. Go Just mow like, your lawn. <laughs> Go mow your lawn. <laughs> that, that's the ongoing joke that I'm always out mowing the lawn after the real game. <laughs> only when we lose, though. Uh, so to that point, um, I've, I've had a few uh, parents and, and coaches. Uh, one coach in particular said, I, you know, I really don't like that. It gives way too much power to the referee. What do you have to say about someone that has that concern? Yes. No, it really does. It yeah. does give too much power to the referees. And to their credit, 99% of the referees handled it appropriately. We probably had 1% who lost their minds and are just like, as <laughs> soon as somebody you're said it, here. you're, you're out, out of here. here. Just okay, throwing people out and expecting, and expecting them to just like, your sidelines is going to be gone for the whole time. It's like, we're working with the referees <laughs> on that as well. Okay. It's not the referees who enforce zero tolerance. Right. It's UISA who enforces zero tolerance based on the information we're given. And we hope we have video because when we have a report plus video, we usually have enough information to make an informed decision. So does that mean you're recording every game or trying to, or so what's at, the goal there? Well, the goal, I'd love to see every game recorded. Let's face it. Everybody playing premier uh, from probably 13 U up, their games are being recorded. Yeah. They have those cool, like the Veo, Veo machines. Yeah, the Veo machines are 10 feet in the air, 12 feet in the air. Spectacular. The machine itself tracks the ball. And so it, it always has good video and usually has enough audio for us. Where to was know this when I was playing? You know uh, what I mean? It, it, was right next, it was right next to the drainage pond. <laughs> <laughs> right next to all the dirt piles. <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh. So higher levels, we get a lot of it. And then a lot of parents will just record a game anyway, right? right watch yeah. a little Johnny or Susie play. So it's just like, and everybody, we encourage them, send us the video. Holy cow. You know, video doesn't lie. Gives us a different angle. And, um, you know, combining video plus a parent and or coach's report plus the whoever the referee is, their report, we usually have a pretty good feel for what's going on. And we can usually identify who needs a little bit of remedial education. And it could be any of the three. Mm -hmm. Fair point. So let's start talking about how people can get into refing how we can encourage young kids like i said we were involved with the rec league and we had a lot of kids that would come and ref and then for the most part they had good experiences but there was always a couple of kids a season that somebody would get on them as a ref and drive them away and so. it was mostly in fairness because they wouldn't blow two whistles at halftime oh my which gosh. is a pet peeve of mine well, no so <laughs> forget one of the things i would tell them because i am uh i enjoy refing i ref a lot of church ball another sport oh, but gosh. well one of the things i would try and tell the kids i would give them permission say like, you blow that whistle every time you see a foul the, because the worst thing you can do as an official 
is not, especially young officials, is not call a foul. This is what gets, I think, gets coaches wound up more than than anything. Is it's not the first call you miss. It's not the second call. It's not even the third call. You start not blowing your whistle after four or five. That's when the, the they explode and you have situations get out of hand. It's like so, mob mentality sets in yeah. at that mm-hmm. point, and like yeah, eleven so, people just want to fight eleven people. So there's two sides of it. How do we? What's the process training these young kids to become refs and stay ref? And how do we uh, keep people from driving these kids out? Because you, as you mentioned, you need more refs. Oh, desperately, desperately need more refs and more refs who have played. You know, the, the more and frankly, well, not just the young kids. I need older refs. Um, you know, get somebody. One of the funny comments that we make all the time to young men who are great referees, and then they're leaving to go on a mission. And I'm like, okay, just when you finally became good at this, now you're leaving <laughs> yeah. on a mission. I said, but I need come you back. when you come back and you're bebopping off to college or whatever, do the games yeah. because it's going to be a completely different experience. Because now you're a young adult and you don't want to listen to parents. So you're going to ignore them completely. That's perfect. <laughs> that's what we need. I love it. You the know? cream of the crop. Yeah. Well, that's a, the, the 20-something referees do a great job. Um, you know, the 30-something, the ones who with all the experience are fantastic. But the 20-somethings are great because they're still young enough to look like players. So the players automatically respect them, expect them to know what's going on. They can run, so they're in position, which is fantastic. And then, again, the kids aren't going to say anything because they're looking at it like, oh, that looks like my big brother, and they're not going to say <laughs> anything to them. And the coaches say less because they're just like, they're ignoring them anyway. It's just like, I, I'm not sure why you're talking to me because I'm not paying attention to you. <laughs> yeah. But trying to teach, but you can't do that with a team. Right, especially in this culture. I'm sorry, in this culture, we're, we're still taught. Well, you have to respect your elders, and you have to respect. And so they, some Yahoo doesn't know what the heck they're talking about, is yelling at them. They still think they have to listen to it, hmm. and that's unfortunate. And you know, and we have had, I have had flat out complaints from parents complaining about a 15 or 16 year old boy who's just like, well, he told me to shut up, and that's disrespectful to an elder. It's like, well. I saw the video. You should have shut up. You, you, there was no reason for you to be talking at that point, and you could have handled it much better. Okay, but back to how do you become a referee? Well, first of all, you do it now because UISA is paying for it. So that's a key one for uh, everybody who's registering to become a referee and getting in class, I believe, after July 1st. UISA is covering that first year of fees as well as their uniforms. So it is definitely. Oh, you get a well. uniform. I'm man. holy cow! Because when I did <laughs> refereeing, because I did do refereeing when I was in uh, what was it like ninth grade to tenth grade, I refereed at the rec, mm-hmm. and I would just get paid five dollars a game, and I thought this is fun, but five dollars a game to be out in the sun, and I've already played a game. I don't really want to do this. So what is it like? What's the incentive of being a ref other than to be yelled at? Um, but what, getting it yelled at by people. I mean, don't know getting a jersey about. would be pretty nice. Getting a jersey would be pretty nice. So th- there's okay now, soapbox, <laughs> jump on it. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> USU soccer, US soccer, and the referees have never figured out how to make the system work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely bass backwards. 
the referees have to pay so much to become referees that it's a disincentive and it's wrong. Just frankly wrong. Um, you're talking 125 bucks just to get all your fees and everything else done, including a full background check. Kids don't have to do background check, but adults do. Plus, you're paying a couple hundred bucks worth of uniforms. So you're now $300 in the hole just so you can go to do games and have some Yahoo yelling at you from the sideline. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. And so that's part of the reason UISA is involved. And now we're trying to help people get past that disincentive. But the referee association and crew needs to figure out a way to make it affordable to find a way to identify people make it affordable and get more people involved in refereeing at the ages where they can be effective Um, there has been a raise that just went in the least expensive game you're being paid for it's either 30 or 35 uh, for the center, and that I would think have that changed my mind. That would have changed your mind. Well, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. A nine U game uh, for twenty-five minute halves and paying thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that will that's... get your attention. Except, of course, that's where the psycho parents were. So we we're trying to avoid <laughs> that part too. Um, the best way to get signed up, though, is you go on U.S. Uh, well, both the U.S.A. website and the Utah Referees Association website have the links to be able to find. Here's how you find a class. How here's how you get signed up. Here's what you need to do. So you go to referees and then referee resources or registration. Yeah, referees and referee resources. We'll get it to you off of the UISA site. Um, our site is better than the Utah referee site. Oh, shade! They're hearing to it. Oh, Casting yeah, some shade. Absolutely. <laughs> Plus, it's easy to remember. UISA.net, right? It's pretty yeah, straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Um, and there's all kinds of information on how to get signed up. And then I, my understanding is, hey, yeah, we make things free. People are coming out of the woodwork, which is great. Unfortunately, it's still mostly kids. Hmm. I love kids. You're five years away from being good at it. <laughs> um, you get me a 20-something, they're two years away from being good at it. If it's 20-something and played at a pretty high level, it might only be one year away. One of the best uh, referees, Chapman, Alan um, Chapman. Yeah. Alan Chapman didn't start refereeing until he was 29. Cool. Um, somebody pulled him off the soccer field and said, you know what, you've been telling the referees what to do for so long. You, you need to be out here. But that's one of the reasons he's so good. He knows what it's like to be a player around the referees. And so he just picked up on it you know, brilliantly. And so I, one thing we do encourage, and I see a lot of it, uh, parents with their kids. So, yeah, the 13, 14, 15-year-olds get to start refereeing. But so does dad. Yeah. So does mom. Yeah, Fantastic. I see that too. Yeah, yeah, get that out there because you're going to the game anyway because you're still driving them there. And, you know, if you have multiple kids, shocking in Utah, we have multiple kids. <laughs> really? What? 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 This is the place. <laughs> so if you've got multiple kids, it's a whole it's a whole referee team, right? Yeah, and you're it's just a trio. Be, you're, it's a trio. You bebop over. I did a lot of refereeing with both my parents. Um, which was a lot of fun, um, but it was also fantastic because I also had a built-in mentor for every single game I did. Um, my dad, who I ignored because he overcalled the game and was <laughs> a problem, and my mom, who I listened to very well, even though she, I still think she didn't understand the game as well, but it was fantastic with people. So I always had an opportunity to get the mentoring. Another thing we have going on trying to help the referees is the mentor program. It just hasn't been implemented as well as we wish. Um, The mentors are assigned by the assigners. The assigners really don't have 
incentive to assign mentors, so it's a little bit harder. Um, we're working on trying to figure out that part of the process as well. You've probably never seen a mentor at a game. We have a cute nope. little red shirt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, nice. which, and anytime I've shown up, it's been absolutely fantastic. Both the coaches and the parents are like, why are you here? I'm mentoring the referee. They're like, well, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Keeping them in line. Yeah, yeah. Can, can you do some more of that? You yeah. might be slightly more patient if you know that. Sure. Right, yeah, as a true. spectator. Oh, oh, of course. As oh, a coach, oh, as everything. Right? Absolutely. And, and again, so much of it is where the coaches and the parents have reason to be frustrated because there's games when referees have a bad game. Is it because of referee PTSD? Maybe. Is it because it's their fifth game of the day? Maybe. <laughs> right? Is it, it, you know, are they being short with you because the last Yahoo was screaming at them and they're remembering that when you may, you, I'm pointing out to the coach, yeah. you may say Bring something it, yeah. completely innocuous. Uh, yeah, or, or not. Or, or what you thought was innocuous. <laughs> it felt that way to me, but, you know, way. whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a, Why aren't you calling that? Okay, maybe not helpful. If you'd like, we could go through a list of things that you can and can't say to the referees. That's always, that's always a lot of fun. Yeah, I always, I always try to go with questions. Sir, and, and, and start with sir, because that's how my, my uh, coaches from the youth organizations always refer to the referee. Sir, why is that not a foul? Okay, so, right? okay. so at that point, wh where would you go with that? Yeah, I, I would say no, that, that was not helpful for you. Okay. Because what you're saying is, that was a foul, you missed it. <laughs> that's what you're telling him. So what you mean to be saying is, wow. From, from our angle? From here. From, it from looked our, like a foul. Yeah, yeah, and if you can make it about you, it's just like from here, it, it looks like I got him. Now, remember, the referee's on a different angle. Sure. So the, it makes it easy for the referee to say, that's not what I saw, but I understand. And then they don't feel attacked. Yeah. You know? And if um, I hear that from a referee, I'm always like, okay. Yes, and it, that and sounds that's fair. a lie. That's a lie. You're on the sidelines, <laughs> swearing up a storm, flipping the bird. No, the swears grandparents. Are all super quiet. All super quiet swears, which is <laughs> and mumbled, right? Uh -huh. They can't. You got a, you got a pair of scissors, and you're just like cutting the grass below, just like <laughs> yeah, a little baby lawnmower, trying to remember that the AR is right next to you. It's yeah. like ah, crap. I can't say what I really want to say. <laughs> that's one thing we did. Uh, if I remember right, is we, we we set up when we had the ARs on the sideline refs. We would set up the teams um, opposite of the refs on the sideline, so you couldn't go past the the side the half line where the ref was on. So they you couldn't badger the sideline ref all the time. That worked out really well. That was helpful. But how many refs do you need? And let's say there's some young folks, old folks, families that want to start and get into repping with uh, UISA, how does the process work? Walk us all the way through it. Oh boy, to, to the extent I can remember. Uh, you pop onto the website first. Yeah, we did that. Okay, There's so four we're steps. The, we're on the website first. <laughs> this is a process. Hi, my name is Scott, I'd like to be a referee. Uh, pop on the process, it will take you on online, you do an online test, and you sign yourself up for an in-classroom. What's the test? Is that like a vision test or yeah, certification it's a, course? It's a certification course. It is, you go into the, the course, and basically, um, it's video plus testing. Um, once you have passed 
that. It's basically understanding the basic rules of the game. Is Once it a hard test to pass? N- um, if you if you if you know anything about soccer, uh, we only get hardcore prob- fans well, that listen to it's our probably, podcast. It's probably so. if you've played the game, you're going to pass it, no problem. If well, you don't play the game, it's probably going to be fifty fifty on what you observe. Right. I would, um, and I would say it's slightly different than that because for years and years and years, the referee association has prided himself on drafting questions that don't make logical sense (laughs) while trying to trip people up or worried about minutiae that is completely irrelevant. Sorry, that was my aside. And yes, you all know who I'm pointing at. Um, (laughs) It should be exactly as you said. If you understand the game of soccer, you should be able to understand, you know, all the basics. There are nuances. There are tougher rules all the time. And for a beginning level, it's irrelevant. It's one of those tests you can retake as many times as you want. So once you've missed the certain question, you're like, oh, I know you what the know answer is now. And, and then gotcha. you get it right. Uh, you do that, and then you do the in-person course. Now, just so you know why I've been worried about the referees forever is because the in-person course did not have a practical component until within the last couple years. Okay. You didn't actually go out and do things. Wow. Um, they do now. Thank so, so it's similar to like getting your coaching license. You got to go out and play. Like we got to go kick the ball around to get your D license or yeah. Sure. But but let's at the lowest level of the coaching license. Yeah, you at don't have to be good at it. Right, right. You just have to be able to try to explain it to kids, and that's what they're trying to get you to do. Um, the reality is what we should be doing with all the younger referees is we get them out, and then the first two or three games are mentored. If we did that, it'd be fantastic. I had a little guy. He was so cute. Little 13-year-old <laughs> kid. He's the youngest of a group of families. And I got sent out, and it was his first two games. Nine new games. First two games. And so we went out, and I said, to be completely honest with you, I'm not going to tell you a ton right now. I'm only going to tell you I need to be able to hear your whistle no matter where I am. Okay. And you can figure it out. He's like, okay. And he goes, he does his first half. It's a 9U game. I think the score, even though there wasn't a score, but still the score would have been like 15 nothing. It was a simple game to do. <laughs> um, and he came over to me at halftime. And he said, okay, I got a question. I said, what's that? I have no idea where I'm supposed to be on the field. I said, you're right. You don't. And that was on my notes. So let's talk about it. And we walked, about, walked him through positioning and an understanding of positioning, and then maybe one comment on his use of signals. Great. Second half was better. So then after the second You're half... You're a little he, guy. you got to go big with your signals. You little right? guy, yeah. you've got to go huge with your signals. Yep, little yep. guy, you've got to be big with the whistle. Anytime you've got to be big with the whistle. Every yep. single person on the field, plus all the parents who think they know something, need to be able to hear that whistle. Who are talking to their next-door right. neighbor. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. <laughs> um, second half, we did the same thing. First half of the next one, same thing. More little tweaks and all the rest of it. The person who assigned him to the game came over during the second half of his second game. And she's watching him, and she's like, he's great. Oh, he's going to be fantastic. There's no worries. It's like, yes. But most of the time, we haven't been able to do that. Um, So, again, if you can find groups where it's a family together, where they can mentor each other as they're doing it, it's like, here's steps that you can make. That would certainly help. Um, If you want to become a referee, again, if you're a player, that will help. As soon as possible, 
you would want to find an older referee who could be a sounding board. Could I have your phone number? When I have questions about this, that, or the other, can I call you? And the referees will be like, I guarantee you, the older referees, absolutely. I Anytime. Had, I asked Silvio Petrescu during the last game <laughs> oh if he gosh. would give me his phone number. <laughs> and he thought I was hitting on him. But I was like, no, um, never mind. Well, I so he, I can't be a ref now. I thought he did give you his number, but it turned out to be Ted Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. How, what, how do you feel about Ted Uncle? Do you know about him? Do you, know do you watch Ted, him? Does he MLS make you cringe ref, at night? Ted Uncle. Or do you have a favorite ref? Oh, Tori Pencil. Better question. Uh, well, okay, so I like Alan. I tend to be biased towards Alan Chapman just because I think he gets it mm-hmm. um, in every single possible See? way. Homer, Utah guy. Yeah, and Utah guy. Um, <laughs> every single one of them has their own style. And I appreciate that Pro is doing a better job of allowing them to use what their natural abilities are and accentuate them. So Alan Chapman's just good with people and good with players. Do that, right? You know, they're still making sure they're keeping him sharper and all the rest of it. Uh, Penso. He's good. You know, they're good. And the guys who have been around a long time, um, the coaches know them. The players know them. You know what's going to be called. There's some consistency to everything that's being done. So they are not worried about the referee. They're not adjusting for the referee during the game. They're just playing the game. Um, At the youth level, you're adjusting for the referee at every single game. Yeah. So how how big is the need? You're saying people should come down. Go through the process, become a ref. How big is the need? 30 to 40, 7,000? Yeah. So back when UISA was closer to 25,000 to 30,000 kids, we had between 2,000 and 2,500 referees. We're currently at 60,000 kids. And right now, active referees, we have about 1,150. Whoa, Nelly. So Those math, parents. math suggests <laughs> that this is a problem. And it's, it's a problem in multiple ways. Number one, older referees who would probably be more than happy to be off the field. We have a couple of those who, who sh- who tend sh- to coach yeah. our game. Yeah. <laughs> tend to ref our games. Who, who really should be mentoring young referees are right. still having to do games because there's not enough referees. It's just a problem. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, every single year, the new referees who start up a good 50% or more quit. Why is that? Why do they quit? (sighs) And is that across every age group, or is it just the young ones? But I also have a suggestion, too. Yeah, it's probably across every age group. So my suggestion would be, so I used to work at Discount Tire, Mm -hmm. and we work about 10-hour shifts, right? They would still pay us the same amount, and they'd ask us to stay after. But what would really get us there is free pizza. They slap free pizza. It's like putting on <laughs> flex seal on a leak. You know, you just free pizza. They stay super quick. They'll put in an extra hour. If I could get the assigners to do that, if they've got younger referee saying. that they know they've got a long day, and if you can show up with a pizza halfway through, Five that'd be pizza? fantastic. You got it. That's what there we, we did. go. Now we'll just start treating the refs to pizza at halftime bro it's flex seal on a water seal that's what we did in our league is we fed the refs when they sure five bucks and pizza it went a long way but to be fair fair, they were on the same field 
all day. Oh yeah. Where <laughs> these guys, not everyone no. can do that. Every not time. everybody can do that. So I mean, there's a lot of Grubhub. What is it? DoorDash. <laughs> yeah. Come on. There you go. Um, you've got multiple issues that can do it. X amount leave because of the abuse. All right. It, it only takes one bad moment when you're 13 or 14 and you're just like, I'll never do this again. Okay. We get that. You're emotionally young and uh, you can't handle that. And we get that. Well, you can't handle it. They shouldn't have, have to, to handle, handle it. it. Yeah. Isn't That's that the point. real point? Yeah. And it's a problem two different ways. Um, you know, you're a young referee. You're going to make mistakes, right? Something as obvious as um, a young referee we had just a couple years ago, he's just like, gave me a phone call. He's just like, I think I messed up. I said, how did you mess up? He said, there was a handball in the area. I said, uh-huh. I called it indirect. I said, uh-huh. He said, handball can't be indirect. It should have been a penalty kick. Right. Uh-huh. You're completely correct. And he said, what do we do? I said, how much time was left in the game? What do we have? We actually had video. We were able to figure out exactly what. The team ended up, we ended up having the teams come back and play the last few minutes of the game from the penalty spot, uh, from the penalty kick forward. Wow. Um, because there's sometimes we can do that when you completely mess things up. But again, it's a young man who'd been doing it two or three years, and he made the, you know, just a basic mistake. Yeah. The brand new ones are going to make mistakes all over the place. Yeah. And everybody has to have patience, and everybody has to find a way to help them get better. And they're never going to get better if you're yelling at them, you know. As a coach, my recommendation to you, if you have one who had a bad game and all the rest of it, or he's just learning, it's just like you approach him after the game. You ask if you may approach. This oh, is ask, ask to approach. Ask to approach. Never approach a referee after a game. You oh, ask oh, yeah, to approach. After a game, yeah. yeah. Halftime? Is that fair game? Ask. Uh, okay. See, give him some no, more just, slices. Walk up there. Say, "Hey, good hey, job." We had a couple Can extra grapes on the sideline for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want them, but we, we, here we they know are. you want them. Um, no, I, there, there, there was a halftime where the ref came and stayed out in the center circle. I went out as the head coach of the team. I said, "Hey, sir, down in the box, our little girl cut in. She took the ball with her. Player knocked her over. Ball rolled safely." Should have been a penalty. Like, what What did you see that was different than that? And he said, yeah, I should have called that. Yeah. And and that was so, like, what do I say after that, right? Like, right, right. You can't say a darn thing. All right. Well, see yeah. you later. No, well, it's just honesty. <laughs> it's honesty. And that's the best policy yeah. is honesty. Honesty, sure. honesty is the best sides. policy. Right. And he used And offering angles. each other the ability to make a mistake throughout the game. Just be like, you know what? Okay. Fair enough. Hopefully, if that happens again, you'll call it this time. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, he'll be th- you know? he will right. be thinking about it. Yeah, you know, and don't for th- for a second think the referees don't know when they miss something. Right? It's just like mm. it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. You, you know what happened. It doesn't help if people are screaming. Um, and frankly, you're always looking for ways. That's like I just want to make sure I get the next one right. Yeah. You know, and then you just hope again. With experience and time, you're able to game manage the thing, and it's just like, okay, now that's a 50-50, but we're going to make that call because I blew that one over there, and it's not too dangerous of a spot, but they're going to feel better about life. And, you know, (laughs) 
little ways of managing the game. Arguably, from the last Harcel game, we were upset at that referee because he did not manage the last 15 minutes of that game very well. No. Um, there were ways he could Whoa. have handled it. You know, th- there's oh ways he could, he, he could have handled it better mm-hmm. um, without question, including he was, he's been given tools, right? Kicking the ball away after a foul call is supposed to be an immediate yellow card this year in MLS. It and he happened, missed it. He missed it multiple times. <laughs> I wonder. I, just, I thought about that because he's from New Zealand, right? He came. They brought him in to get some practice games, get some games before the World Cup. But it's got two ARs too. Yeah, they. I did not know that, so that actually explains why there wasn't the immediate card on. Yeah, because I don't think the, they really explained it to him, or he didn't, or he didn't it. know it. What's well, a brand he, new rule but for it, him? Probably sure. Yeah. And it, it's a rule I love. I absolutely oh. love that. Did you love Salt. Kellen Rose's second yellow on that this week, though? Oh, I saw that, and I don't. Did, did Kellen Rose deserve a second yellow? I mean, he's a former RSL guy, so yeah. we want to give him a little more credit. But Was it? Technically, but. I didn't well, tell see him the replay. The, yeah, was what, it, was he, he kind of slid out of bounds and, like, to save the ball, missed it, and it hit the board and bounced over his foot. And so it was in his hands, and he, just he was out it. of bounds, and he kind of. Tossed it over the the running the board. board to just kind of like, well, it's not my throw in, but also to kind of say, I don't want the ball. I want to delay the restart just a little bit. And I don't know that it delayed the restart a whole lot because no one was even there to take the throw in. And he got his second yellow, and they played the rest of the game. But man, that down. that but, needs to happen though. That those there's there's going to be those negative times where it needs to happen to change the mindset of to all these players. To change the behavior. Yeah. yeah. Just leave the dang ball. With that being said, who was the ref? Ted Uncle. No, it was, I think it was Chilowitz. <laughs> no, was it it's the guy with the super hairy arms. Is that Chilowitz? No, that's uh, Ismail, right? No, Elfath's the El, tall guy. Elfath wouldn't have done. It that. might have been Chilowitz. Yeah. Yeah. El, Elfath takes care of almost every game just by being Elfath. Yeah. Right? He's the being size tall. of a small house. Yeah. And so he just looks at people and, <laughs> and they're just like, like really? ah, okay, I'll stop. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> there is, I do uh, want to talk about refing at the pro level and particularly the, the amount of abuse refs can take during, especially Real Salt Lake games. There's been some horrible things they've said. Maybe at one end of the stadium. One specific end? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. What, what, not both but ends? I don't not like in the family the, section? I don't like the the ref you uh, are inadequate chant or whatever it is. Ref you are inadequate. <laughs> yes. I'd rather say, I, I do appreciate that you don't know what you're doing chant. That's a little better. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. I like that one. You don't know what you're doing. It's at least comical. Yeah. So that's that's at least fun. But I think that... Uh, at the games, I would love to see RSL fans. We talked about in the last podcast, we brought up rugby. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a exponential more amount of respect for refereeing in the rugby game. Professionally speaking. Professionally, yeah. yeah. If you watch yeah. any of that, they treat the rest with respect. How do we get to that point as a fandom in MLS, or is that even possible? Well, it's not only the fandom, it's also players, right? That level of respect that you need to have. Um, the comment about rugby, of course, it's a hooligan sport played by gentlemen, and soccer is a gentleman sport played by hooligans. And, <laughs> Ooh, I like that. And it's, it carries through. Um, too often the players are disrespectful, 
And again, then the fans pick up on it. Now, the concern we have at the youth level is people get too used to that at the professional level and screaming at referees and all the rest of it, and then they think they can do it at the youth level, which, of course, they can't. Um, Now, to be fair, sometimes from the angle that we're on compared to the angle the referee is on, we think he he may or she may have gotten it wrong. Okay. But... That's going to happen. I think the biggest thing everybody needs to understand and always remember is the referees don't want to be wrong. They want to get it right. Absolutely want to get it right, especially if it's a call that determines the outcome of a game. So if we want to roll back to that RSL game with the, I'm going to use air quotes here, foul on Demir. Oh, I'm still mad about that. Oh, the Toronto game? On the Toronto game. How did Jalen get away with that? Um, from the angle the referee was on, from the VAR replays, there were a lot of them. Um, the telecast had quite a few of them. We're talking Toronto, right? We're talking Toronto. I can very easily see why that was not called a foul. I thought so, too. I didn't think it was a foul. Still with mad. that being said... I kicked the, him in the thigh. The only what? reason knee hit his thigh right there. <laughs> oh my there. gosh! <laughs> and and if you don't see that, then it looks like he lost the ball between his legs. Right. But the ball wasn't between his legs when he kneed him in the. Anyway. He was already going anyway, down. So he either was, way, he it was both, so close that even we on the podcast disagree. Both, on both what right. Hold on, we hit both feet were in front spot. of the ball, oh, and he was already going. Before the dude even touched the ball. That's so inaccurate. There are times... We need to watch that right now. We're going back. There's a chance that Demir from time to time may may embellish. Um, What? Oh, no. That's so crazy. Oh, wait. The captain. Breaking news. Breaking news. (laughs) But what was interesting on that play is they actually did a VAR review on it, which was surprising to me because even on review and all the rest of it, it wasn't obviously a foul that got missed. It was at best a teeny tiny issue so even the var officials are doing the same thing this might be outcome determinative let's see if we can get it right and i like that so much more than we don't even stop the game when there's a crucial mis- potential mistake made a flashbang play and they don't even send it to var right? well it's not quote unquote sent to var so right. the VAR officials are there all the time. They're watching the game. It's not email. <laughs> it's not the referee saying, hey, when you get a chance. <laughs> when you do, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, VAR can be helpful. It just needs to be quicker. Um, I wish they would do something closer to what rugby does. I don't know if you guys watch any of the professional rugby, but when they do a review, you get to hear the review. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. It is fantastic. And I love the conversation between the ref and the player. You can hear it all. Right. It's amazing. And I think that changes the way people will listen and watch the game. Right. It's because they're seeing how the players are interacting before. Because if we mic'd up the ref as those players are shouting at him, there's no way that um, fans are going to be acceptable of that type of behavior. Or that, their that mothers. That's a good point. Their mothers. Or Do you know the, what I'm saying? Because, yeah. right. well, like Kyle, Kyle Beckerman did not say nice things to the ref. <laughs> I, I could what? read lips, and that dude was not talking nice but ever. He was being careful and not doing the Bull Durham and saying exactly what would get himself yes. thrown out of the game. <laughs> right. Um, Clint Mathis was saying what needed to be said to get thrown out of the game. Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry, you have to go back far enough to remember that one. And yep. it was Brian Hall who probably deserved it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> That's an old person joke, isn't it? Oh, Brian Hall Brian was an Hall. arrogant piece. Of, I yeah, he okay. was a ref that had a big ego and always loved to kick certain people out of games based upon their... I don't know. I thought it was based on like class. And that's why Clint Mathis was like, they called him Cletus, right? That was his little nickname because he talked like he was from nowhere, you know, hick town, (laughs) nowhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they called him Cletus, but he didn't play like that. So anyway. It was a heck of a player. Yeah. So I don't even remember what the question was now. Back to the the way they interact and miking all that up. Miking all that up, I think, would help. And uh, you can go on, at least could, you probably still can on the pro website and listen to they will do an exemplar of some of the var discussions said hey here's one that we think we got wrong boom you can hear everything and then afterwards they can play here's where we think we went off the off the beam a little bit um it's fantastic and most of the discussions are exactly kind of like the discussions that you and i just had regarding that one uh air quotes foul well that Uh, one was featured as well yeah, it was on there. And where did they finally go with it? Yeah, I mean, they agreed at the end, and I was like, how can they agree on this? That's because you know the outcome. <laughs> if there was no outcome, you wouldn't have agreed. Um, so <laughs> they're never going to convince you that wasn't a foul, right? It's, you couldn't tell. What the, the, what I was trying to... to anyway, we lost I was game. not in the conversation, clearly. Well, yeah, we lost. We did not win. Was there contact where a foul could have been called? Absolutely. Yes. Is there contact where foul could be called on almost every play? Absolutely. Potentially. Was that something that had to be called a foul? And if not, it would be a miscarriage of justice. No. No. <laughs> it just wasn't. No. And if it wasn't a player that's known for maybe embellishing a little bit, <sighs> maybe they get that call. It, I agree. Um, referees are human. Uh, they're no different than your basketball referees. They all know who embellishes and who doesn't and what needs to be called and what doesn't. Vladi They Oh, Vladi. Oh, <laughs> First put out the cigarette and dive. <laughs> what? Sorry, That's I'm new to this. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know this. person joke. Oh, if anybody didn't know how old I am, I have now aged myself multiple times. Yes. Okay. And us with you. Well, anyways, can I get to my question here? Please? Yeah. Would, would you ask a young person tangent. question? Okay. Anyways, so there's a show that I found called Man in the Middle or Man in the Center. I think it's on Paramount. Okay. And it shows the life of a referee um, over the, across the pond. Nice. So like in the larger, bigger leagues and stuff. And it almost feels pretty sad. They have to be very, very confident, and they have to be secure in what their decisions are. And it's a huge contrast when you see them go into halftime, right? So when players go into halftime, the refs go into halftime too. So there's four of them just chilling in this little 8 by 10 room talking about the game, you know, like, hey, oh, yeah, man, that call, we missed this call, you know, good job doing this, blah, 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 blah. But it seems like they are so isolated on a little island of unlove that it seems so hard for somebody to become a ref at that stage. I mean, a lot of them have huge passions for soccer, right? They love the game. They've been playing it forever, and then they can't play anymore or something like that. And then now they're just trying to stay with the game. But I feel like there would be a higher quality amount of referees if there was more love towards the referees. So what – I mean, after watching that, I had a brand new respect for the refs. Right. 
So what do you feel that we could do in the state of Utah that could create that type of feeling that I got watching that show? Just have them watch that show, I guess. Or, <laughs> well, <laughs> group hug. But I mean, is there is there something in the works that could that could you know educate? Well, one that's already in place is a certified club, club linesman at the nine U ten U level. Uh, every team has to have at least two people who have have gotten themselves certified, which means literally watch. It's a five and a half minute video. Just do it. It's Just not watch hard. The video. I did it. So a five and a half minute video, um, and then there's safe sport that you still have to do in concussion protocol, which are two things as a parent you should, you should know, know all about anyway. anyway. Yeah. So if you've already done safe sport, you're halfway there. Concussion protocol, you need to know about that anyway. So as a parent, you can just do it once. Anyway, the idea is CCLs are there. They don't call offside, but they're there at the youngest level to help our referees. And the plan is, and you just kind of mentioned it, what you probably noticed was how tight that referee crew is for that game. How tight the referee community is. So there is a lot of community feel to that. And all of our referees currently are, are that way too. I mean, you know, there's outlier referees who are just bleeps. And you can't do anything about them. And even <laughs> the other referees think they're bleeps. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but the community is really, really tight. But the idea is if we can get the CCLs there working with the referee, well, that's another group. And getting people to recognize the game doesn't happen. We've talked earlier, you need the ball, you need the field, you need players, you need a referee. That's what you need for a game. You don't need a coach, and Lord knows you don't need parents. So make sure everybody recognizes we don't have a game without them. And so we need to treat them well. So any game, if you're leaving and all the rest of the parent, do you have a chance to see the referee? And it's just like, thank you. You know, just a thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being a referee. Um, it absolutely helps. And then helping other coaches and helping everybody understand how to talk to referees. Um, the primary one is no different than arguing with your spouse. You know, with your argument, you do not tell your spouse what they meant to say to you. You mention to your spouse how you feel about what you heard. So same thing, even you gave a good example, said, wow, from my angle, I thought my player beat her clean and she got taken out. What did you see? And the referee may say, I saw the same thing. Or the referee may say, you know what? I was slightly, I was slightly off angle. And I thought this person got it. And, you know, from your angle, you probably had a better run. Sorry, I'll try to get the next one. Yeah. You know, and it, it, a lot of it is just about being respectful. Yeah, I, I also think it helps um, uh, when players come back to the community they grew up in. Mm-hmm. And you know some of the players on the sideline. So the moms and dads know you're the kid that scored all the goals in the high school team last year or whatever. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of lends to your credibility already. Sure. Right? So, Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And I do think uh, back to the, the, the Real Salt Lake level, the pro level, uh, they I think they do an amazing job. They came out and said they got it wrong on the Seattle misplacement of the restart that led to a goal against Colorado because it was 20 yards away. And they said, yeah, we got that wrong. But – uh, during the games, I think the the amount or the the level of annoyance with the ref is in equal 
a relation to how bad your team is playing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, and if I your team plays poorly, the, the ref sucks. Sure. But sure. if your team is playing well, boy, that was a good ref game. That was a really well, well ref game. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so for the last game, we were all frustrated because RSL spent the first half either being brilliant or completely incompetent. Right. And it was frustrating. And then they're down because we handed Dallas a goal, which is brilliant. Thank you. Here you are. And they finished it to their credit. And then RSL couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. So Well, they could hit the goalie. Yeah, they, 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 hit, they the hit the goalie, goalie like multiple four times. times. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, you know, the fifth row got hit, I think, six or right, seven times. Right. So, you know. And so you get frustrated. And then you have FC Dallas play to, play to make it even more frustrating the last <laughs> few minutes of the game because they were allowed to do so. Um, I hadn't realized this referee was a new referee and coming over from New Zealand. Um I guarantee you he he'll rewatch the game and he'll be evaluated on the game and there's multiple things one of them is just like oh I could have given a card the first time they kicked that ball away it's like yeah it's like, that would have solved a lot of problems <laughs> yeah it would have that's the reason they've implemented it and frankly that's one of the reasons it got more and more frustrating for both RSL and for the knowledgeable fans they're watching balls being kicked away. We're like, all right, card. There's no card. What's going on here? And then, you know, soon you get frustrated. I would say as a group, the crowd to me didn't blame that referee for the game. We've had crowds that have blamed referees for games in the past. And sometimes you know, we uh, we have to roll back the page. Well, Borchers, brilliant oh. defensive play. Uh, yeah. And Red, that referee. Second minute or something. Yeah. Charlie Davies bombing in the box. Yeah. And uh. that referee who got to do exactly one MLS game. That was the only MLS game he ever did. Oh, really? That's how badly he messed that up. Wow. And never got to do another game. So, again, that's part of the thing to remember. These people are professionals. They want to be good. You know, they want to be graded highly. They want to be well thought of. They want the players to respect them. They want their peers to respect them. You know, they're doing their best. Um, you know, and I know there's a lot of people. So if you get past some of the early referees and early MLS, referees don't have a bias towards a team or anything else. They just want to be able to referee a good game. They don't hate Kyle Beckerman anymore. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, but at the there same time... There were a couple time, of refs that were like, second minute, yellow card to Kyle Beckerman. <laughs> and he earned that. It probably had already <laughs> said something that, you know, again, Bull Durham-esque. <laughs> you know, he should have... We, we always joke that he should have been more like Diego Chara. Kick him and then smile really big. <laughs> yes. And then he would have got a lot fewer yellow cards. But exactly. he was kick him and then scream at him and yell at him. Yep. <laughs> so he got a lot more yellows. So we really appreciate you letting us come and chat. Uh, is there any message you want to send out to people that want to become refs? Or what's the message you want to get across to all the people at uh, UYSA, the fans, the coaches, the players? What do you want to leave us with? It's a great game. It's an absolutely fantastic game. It's growing like a weed in Utah. Um, we have got a lot, a lot of great clubs we've got a lot of people who absolutely have their hearts in the right place the reality is 
you know, for all our complaints about people yelling at referees and, and the issues we have, one of the reasons we have these issues is because there's 60,000 kids playing every weekend, right? There's 1,800 teams. There's 8,000 games during a season. There's going to be some things that go wonky. And so the request is people be patient. There's video. If you've got video, send it in to us, and we'll try to fix. We can't fix everything. But we can certainly help referees get better. We can certainly help coaches get better. We can certainly help parents get better and educate them. And then allow the kids to just go play. You know, if you let the kids play, they'll have a great time. And there is almost an infinite need for refs, it sounds like. There is an incredible need for refs, and especially refs who are old enough to not care what parents say on the sideline. <laughs> so, you know, it's even though you might not want to be a ref, after doing word ball, holy crap, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, church ball. We should get <laughs> Rand out there. Yeah, there's nothing that would yeah. cause a problem. I, you, if you, I refed a ton of church ball, and the hardest ones to ref were the women's games. They are mean. They go... <laughs> They go right for your feelings. To be fair, he felt, he's felt me out of more church ball games than anybody else. So, oh, my gosh. Is there an age limit? I mean, you'll no. take everybody there. Obviously, you have to be able to run back and forth a little bit. But, but it's about retired, 13 right? or so. You yeah, wanna... it's 13. It's the minimum age is 13. You can start referring at 13 or 14. I think it's 13. I can never remember if it's 13 or 14. It's one of the two, and it's on the website. Yeah. Um, no limit on the, the top end uh, other than, you know, you still need to be able to run. Um, but the reality is there's all types of levels of games. So we need all types of levels of referees. The more referees we have, the better off we're going to be. There's been a raise. Yay. So, you know, on a good day, good Saturday, you get three games in, um, you're going home with 75 to 100 bucks, which is for kid is good and for an adult is thank you and at least it's something and uh, particularly we love family groups family groups do a great job together awesome thank you so much we appreciate you coming out showing Thanks, us you your your expansive setup out here <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we encourage people if you're if you're not involved with uisa to find out more about it get involved there's plenty of opportunity and especially volunteer, come out and become a ref. I think that would make us all better fans if you've refed a few games and understand that it is an incredibly hard job. So thank you again, well, Scott. Scott. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, you all. Thanks, Scott, with one T. Appreciate yeah. you. Oh, thank you to B&B &B and the Geek. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>